Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There's a story that I heard not too long ago about the end of the world. Uh, The story goes that everyone on earth was preparing for a large meteor strike uh, that was going to wipe out everything. The scientists at NASA had predicted not only the the day, but the exact hour when this would happen. And so clergy of all different faith traditions were spending a good deal of time thinking about what they wanted to tell their congregations uh, one last time. In one small town, there were uh, three churches, a Roman Catholic church, a Baptist church, and an Episcopal church. The three ministers of those those churches were friends. They got together one last time to to share with each other uh, the biblical text that they were going to offer their congregation and and some of the words that they were going to say when they gathered with their people for uh, those last services. The Baptist preacher said, uh, I'm going to preach on John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He said, I want to remind my people that they need to get right with Jesus before the world ends. The Roman Catholic pastor said, uh, my text will be from Matthew's gospel account where our Lord says to Peter, you are the rock upon which I build my church and the, the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, I will remind my people one last time of the great hope that they have in the mother church. They both then turned to the Episcopal priest to see what she had to say, and she, without hesitating, said, I'll probably just preach on whatever is appointed in the lectionary for that particular day. <laughs> when, when Luis asked me to preach today, I enthusiastically said yes before doing the smart work of opening up my Bible to see what the readings were for today. I thought to myself, ah, yes, Advent. I love Advent. I can do Advent. I can preach a message like that. And then And then I read this passage from Mark's gospel account. In in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. More, More darkness, more judgment, more of what we heard these past several weeks from Matthew's gospel account. Had I been better prepared, I would have asked Luis if I could preach on Advent too, but here we are. No good deed goes unpunished. So although some of us may uh, prefer just to to skip over this this message of judgment and apocalypse and and jump right to the star in the sky pointing us toward Bethlehem, the the church in in its wisdom has given us this this season of Advent to, to stop and to slow down and to reflect, and, and to prepare ourselves. Advent is the season of preparation, not, not only for Christmas, Christ's first coming into the world, but, but also for the end, uh, the second coming of Christ. Advent, though, is, is also a season of hope. It's, it's a time for hopefulness. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who's the, who was the great uh, 20th century Jesuit priest and paleontologist and geologist, he was a very smart man, once, once said this about hope. He wrote, the world will belong tomorrow to those who brought it the greatest hope. 
the world will belong tomorrow to those who brought it the greatest hope. It's, it's our calling as followers of Jesus to be bearers of hope, because, because without hope we are literally hopeless, creatures of despair, a people bound by fear. Without hope there is no tomorrow. So what is our hope? What is the Christian hope? What is the hope that we have? I, I think that it's found in the collect that we prayed uh, during the lighting of our Advent wreath, our opening collect for this first Sunday of Advent. We pray that God might give us grace to cast away the works of darkness. That's what this this season, this life of faith is all about. God in Christ casting away all darkness, all despair, all hopelessness, and everything that runs counter to love. That, my friends, is, is the work of God. That's the work that God is up to. And the question that we should ask ourselves during, during this time of year, during this season of Advent, is how can I better make myself available to that work, to the work of God? How can I partner with God in this work? I think that the, the first thing that we do so as to make ourselves available to the work of God is to heed Jesus' instructions to the, to the disciples in our reading from Mark's gospel account. Jesus says to them today, Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. If we want to make ourselves available to God's work of casting out darkness, then we must, we must be awake. Jesus' instruction to keep awake, it's, it's not about sleep. Jesus isn't encouraging us all to be night owls. No, Jesus' instruction to keep awake, to, to stay alert, to pay attention, he's, he's talking here, I think, about, about spiritual uh, lethargy. He's talking here about idleness, which, which I'm convinced comes into our lives in the form of distractedness. Here's what I mean by that. Distractedness, I think, is our way of not paying attention to what needs addressing in our personal lives. Distractedness is us not paying attention to the needs of the world all around us. Distractedness is our way of, of not being attentive to the voice of God because we're busying ourselves with things that in the end don't really matter all that much. Or, or maybe to say it a simpler way, distraction, distractedness, at least the, the dangerous kind, is, is shifting our focus and our attention, our very lives, away from something of greater importance to something of lesser importance. Distractedness can look like that deadly sin that we talked about last week, the sin of Akadia, sometimes translated as, as sloth or, or laziness or just saying to ourselves, I, I don't care, I just don't care. We can take our attention off of God's work of casting out darkness by just not caring at all. That's one way that we can be distracted. But distractedness can can also cause us to care not about those things that are important and, and vital and necessary, but what about the unimportant or the unnecessary or just the ridiculous at times? Think, think about how this sort of distractedness permeates our, our world today. I, I see it uh, this time of year, every year, when we fight our, our phony culture wars about the color of a Starbucks cup or the, the type of a greeting that appears on a holiday card. Why, why is that important? How does that matter? In what way are we working with God to cast out 
the works of darkness by fighting those silly battles. That's, that's one way I see distractedness. Many of us, I think, constantly get distracted in this country by, by that little letter that comes after the names of our elected and appointed official, officials. You all know the letters that I'm talking about. Are they, are they R's or are they D's, we say to ourselves. If, if their letter doesn't match our letter, then there is no way we will ever work with them. That sort of distractedness has, has so overtaken our public life in this country that our, our politicians aren't, working, aren't willing to work with each other to, to fix health care or taxes. They're not willing to talk with each other about gun control or really anything at all. We're, we're so distracted by the notion that, that party is more important than people, and so we can't lay aside our allegiances and come together to work for the common good. It's, it's an unfortunate distraction that I think is causing a lot of harm in this country. We do it in the church too. And unless you are a member of this church or that church, we say, or unless you sit or pray or worship in, in this way or that way, then, then you're not important. You're not speaking the truth. There's, there's the old joke that I'm sure many of you have heard before. I mean, you've probably heard it from this pulpit at one time or another. There's, there's a man, the joke goes about to, to jump off a bridge. Another man sees him and runs over and says to him, don't do it. The first man says, nobody loves me. And the other, the other man replies, God loves you. Do, you. do you believe in God? And the first man says, yes, I believe in God. Are you a Christian or a Jew? Asks the second man. A Christian, says the first man. Me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? Asks the second man. Protestant, says the first man. Me too. What denomination? Asks the second man. Baptist, says the first man. Me too. Are you an American Baptist or a Southern Baptist? Asks the second man. Southern Baptist, says the first man. Me too. Are you a Southern Conservative Baptist or a Southern Liberal Baptist? Asks the second man. A Southern Conservative Baptist, says the first man. Me too. Are you Southern Conservative Baptist Great Council of 1879 or Southern Conservative Baptist Great Council of 1912, asks the second man. Southern Conservative Baptist Council of 1912, says the first man. And at that point, the second man walks over to the first man, pushes him off the bridge, and yells, die, you heretic. (laughs) That joke is actually much, much longer. I shortened it quite a bit here this morning. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with being proud of one's church. There's nothing wrong about being excited about one's particular brand of, of Christianity. But, but it's a distraction, I think, when we say that, that ours is the only church, the only community speaking the truth. Our bishop, Mary Ann Buddy, preached a, a really wonderful sermon a few weeks ago at, at Marilyn Jenkins' ordination, and she reminded Marilyn and all of us there that if, if we want the Episcopal Church to be around in 20 or 30 years, then we've got to be willing to sit down with other Christians, to, to learn from other Christians, even if we have theological disagreements with them. We have to be willing to come to the table, she said. Or think about how distractedness can creep into our personal lives. Think of, of times when we bury ourselves in our work, not because we need to, but because we don't want to actually face what's going on in our homes or in our relationships with other people. Busyness, I think, can be a very deadly form of distraction. When I work with couples preparing for marriage here at St. John's Church. This is the one of the things that we spend a good bit of time talking about. When, when conflict arises, I ask them, do you deal with it by avoiding it, by distracting yourselves with other things, or are you willing to sit down with each other and work through whatever it is you are fighting about? 
Distraction can be toxic to our relationships with other people if we let it be. The world will belong tomorrow to those who brought it the greatest hope. That's, that's our calling, our mission. And, and this season of Advent that be, we begin today reminds us that if we want to offer hope, if we want to offer peace, if we want to partner with God in bringing about the kingdom of heaven, then we've got to be focused. We've got to be alert. We've got to keep awake to the needs that are all around us. It's, it's so easy to get distracted by the unnecessary, by the non-essential, by the ridiculous. And, and when we do, I think that's when, when hopelessness begins to creep into our lives. The great Advent hope is that when Christ returns, all things, all things will be made new. All creation will be reconciled with God. And the very works of darkness that seek to destroy life will be cast out and trampled down. Don't lose focus. Don't get distracted. Pay close attention. Keep awake, Jesus says to us today. May we each find in this, this season of Advent an opportunity to, to slow down, to prepare ourselves for the, for the great good news of Christmas and to put away those things that distract us from ourselves, from others, and from our loving, liberating, life-giving God. Amen.